Hey, welcome in. It's Kyle here again, co-host number one of the Oh No Disc Golf podcast, here with Eric Wolverton. That's me. I am the guy he was talking about in the first part. And we have an awesome episode for you today. It's pretty much all dominated by one thing, an interview with AJ Brisley. Eric, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. It's uh, sad there's not a large area for me to go on a tangent here about something. I do just want to say one thing. That was going to be my next question. Good luck to all the girls going out to the Women's Disc Golf Championship this coming weekend. Make sure you guys show up and watch it. Give the give all the girls some love. Everything from pros to 65 plus to juniors are going to be there. So good luck all you all you women out there. Head on over to our Teespring store. We have some pretty awesome merch out there. It's teespring.com backslash stores backslash Ono Disc Golf. Use the code Ono to get free shipping. Also, we are a proud affiliate with Starframe Disc Golf. You can all use the same code, oh no, to get 5% off if you're looking for discs, disc golf accessories. Head on over to starframediscs.com. That is S-T-A-R-F-R-A-M-E-D-I-S-C-S dot com. If you can't get enough of us off the podcast, head on over to our social medias. We have a ton of fun videos and interactive content. Go hit us up on there. We will respond. On Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, we have a youtube and as always our two patreon supporters thanks guys sean and david you guys are the best if you want to support us it's as little as like i think a dollar on patreon or you can support us directly on our anchor page every dollar really does help thanks guys before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Introducing our very special guest, AJ Risley. Welcome to the show and thanks for coming on. Why don't you tell the listeners who don't know you a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is AJ Risley. I've been I've been playing disc golf. This is a disc golf podcast, so I'll tell you how long I've been playing since uh, about the beginning of 2004. So about 17 years now, and I turned pro in 2013, and I've been on tour since 2017. And I'm currently sponsored by Dynamic Discs. And uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> that's a pretty basic, uh, pretty basic intro. Good. Good little Good enough. elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah. I actually gave someone one of my trading cards today. Oh, that's sweet. I had a random DGPT trading card in my wallet. And the receptionist at the radiology lab where I was going to get an x-ray done, he was talking to me about, about disc golf somehow. And sure enough, just said, yeah, here, have this card. Yeah, I'm a pro. <laughs> Dude, that is so sick. <laughs> It was, it was pretty crazy because he was like, oh, yeah, this is, I mean, I was just talking to my coworkers about disc golf in the local, in one of our parks just earlier today. And then, and then you show up. <laughs> what are the odds? Seriously, I, 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 I couldn't tell you. You could just bring them around instead of business cards, just hand out your pro card. <laughs> oh, you could do that. So that's a good idea. I mean, I, I think actually I'm out though. I think that might've been my, one of my last ones. Um, oh, a couple of weeks ago in Emporia for the dynamic discs open, I handed out about like at least 30, if not 40 or 50 of my trading cards that I had accumulated for over the past few years, just kind of signed them at the block party and handed them out to random people. That was fun. That's gotta be a really fun way to just like quickly make somebody's day. Totally. Totally. Uh, that, at least that's what I was hoping for. And it, it seemed like a, based off of the, the thank yous that I got from those people, they were, they were very appreciative. And I, and I think it worked. And I mean, and the, the, a little bit more context of that 
situation was just that I was standing or yeah, I had a table next to Eric McCabe's table um, at the block party and he was selling his uh, new Lucid X Emac judges. Saw those, plug, plug. saw those on Instagram. I wanted one so badly. They, they were pretty. I, I didn't really, I didn't get to like hold, hold one that much, but they looked awesome. And so there was just like this huge line of, I don't know, at least 500 people that they walked right past my table to get to Eric's table by design. And so like every, every like fifth or 10th person that came by if they if if the person would like say something funny to me or say something funny or something unique to um whoever they were in line with um i would just pull a card trading card out of my pocket sign it and, and hand it to them there wasn't really like a plan or anything it was just whenever i felt like felt like there was a connection that or a memory that could be made hey yeah so did the EMAC judges kick you off of Team Warden or are you still still for the Wardens? I don't know. I mean, I in my head, I'm still on Team Warden. But I tell you what, the last, like the, the couple times that I've used the EMAC judge to putt, I don't think I, I think I've missed once or twice. And they were just complete spit outs. So I don't know. Maybe there might be something there. Gotcha. I might have to uh, I might have to commit. <laughs> But don't tell anybody. Oh, crap. <laughs> We're recording. Yeah, <laughs> listeners, don't tell anybody. Yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't tell Eric Oakley. <laughs> oh, it's so confusing now. <laughs> so many Eric's. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Right. No, that's great. Uh, I love the Eve judges, man. I picked up another one. I have three now. I, I just love them. They're pretty nice. They're they got some good glide. That's what I pick up on. Yeah. What was the main course that you learned to play disc golf on? Main course, I would say I would say my my first home course was uh this course called Emerald Isle in Oceanside, California. And actually it's it is uh the baskets were pulled yeah, about eleven years ago. So it's been a while, but that was the first one the first course that I, that I kind of cut my teeth on and really learned how to throw the disc and, and make putts and, uh, and how to, how to play golf and really control the disc and where it lands and everything. And it was a, it was a really fun course. It was, um, it was also on a ball golf course, a shorter length ball golf course. So the, the disc golf holes would range somewhere between like 250 to 500 feet we had I think we had a one or two par fours that were a little bit longer and the distances were great for disc golf pretty much how they are across the the whole sport the coolest thing that I really picked up on was was playing the the ball golf greens and bunkers as out of bounds since our disc golf layout pretty much like fell on top of the ball golf layout just for flow purposes. I really picked up on the use of the, the ball golf green and bunker. And, uh, and that kind of shaped how I was like my distance control skills and like my awareness of, of what the disc does after it hits the ground. Right. With lots of fast greens and stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I learned pretty quick how to, how to play the skip. Right. So that was fun. Yeah, for sure. And then you go to a course that has big, long grass and you have to completely change your game because oh, yeah. you're, you're used to playing this big skip. Right. Used to play, used to like, used to playing the skip and then also like skipping on the short grass and then also like walking and running up through the short grass, like playing on thick spongy grass was yeah, there was definitely a little bit of a learning curve there because I felt like my feet would be way behind my my upper body, and so I had to I had to get used to like how I was aware of my my lower body during the throw. That definitely took a while too. Gotcha. 
I feel like that's one of the main strong suits of disc golf is that there's so much difference in like the greens, the, the fairways, it's, it's ball golf versus like in the woods, you know, there's just so much difference. Totally. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a lot of different styles of, of disc golf. It's fun. It's fun to, I've had fun kind of recognizing and differentiating between all the different styles such as park golf or woods golf, like you mentioned, or there's mountain golf or what I described um, Emerald Isle as was a hybrid, hybrid golf or a hybrid course that is both disc golf and ball golf. And just, yeah, I mean, each one of those different styles has different types of shots that are are at a premium that are you know most common different styles of throws whether they be hyzer flips or flex shots i mean there's and then there's like kansas or texas golf which is just mostly wind and so that requires a a separate skill set as well but yeah i mean that diversity is is one of my favorite parts about about our game and then about the game of golf in general, whether it's with discs or clubs and balls or, you know, a soccer ball or whatever it may be. I mean, just that unique factor, the unique quality of, of golf really is super enticing to me. Since uh, you grew up playing on like a hybrid golf, disc golf, ball golf course, did that go into like you helping design like the OBs and whatnot with the Goat Hill? I think it definitely had an influence for sure. I mean, really before that, yeah, before that course was um, pulled, Emerald Isle, before that course was, yeah, taken out of the ground pretty much. um, I didn't really know too much about tournament golf and tournament layouts and, and how I could create some of these out of bounds areas to really challenge different parts of, of the golfer's game and skill set. But I would, de- I would say that just that knowledge and kind of the, the instincts that kind of grew around that style of upbringing, totally, it, I think what it did was it made me aware of, of just like how the, disc, how the disc acts while it's in the air and then how it reacts after it's touched the ground. And that is kind of, that was one of the biggest things that I really wanted to like f- focus on when I was coming up with the, the tournament layout out of, out of Goat Hill. Just that, like f- the ground play pretty much. Yeah. I think you saw that in it. I just watching the uh, coverage of it. I think you saw that quite a bit in, in that the ground play was in play quite a bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, we're, we're, we're in California, Southern California. And so we we have some we have some like lush green grass around here but a lot of it can can dry out pretty fast and so it's pretty typical to see a lot of a lot of big skips on especially at goat hill and yeah so it's and then i i would say like the the ground itself mixed combined with the the disc technology and how the how fast the discs have gotten over in the past like 30 or 40 years it's just uh there's there's been new challenges that um that have that have started to surface definitely for course designers especially too because you have to design around a course that people are going to throw 650 feet regularly it's kind of hard to make that challenging for the general population too you know without making it too challenging totally yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah. And because of course, I mean someone doesn't throw 600 feet right out of the gate or as soon as they start playing, they have to get to I mean each person has to go from throwing at 100 feet to 200 feet to 300 feet, 4 or 5 and so on. And so I mean, yeah, any any one of those guys that guys and girls that that you got to watch this weekend. I mean, they, yeah, like you said, they've all been, they've all been in that, in that position. And so I think that then that kind of speaks to the, 
the difference or the clarification between a course design and then the tournament layout design on that course. And the way I see it is like the tournament layout is is a bit of an adaptation of of the course itself. Got to really tweak it sometimes. Right. Yeah, especially when when especially when we do have an event that's tailored specifically for the the elite players in in the sport and in the world. That I think just that alone definitely offers up some freedom and an opportunity to to really stretch the boundaries no pun intended but you know see what's possible out out at a course like that because i tell you what i mean the cameras do a pretty decent job of showing it but it is wide open out at goat hill and and it's just a big canvas with with some trees (laughs) some trees kind of placed here and there and then you're kind of like from that area aren't you that general vicinity yeah so have you played like goat hill a lot before you kind of like helping with the with the OB design? Oh yeah. Yeah, I would say that I mean I was t- I might be I might have played the most rounds of disc golf out there. Probably not, but I would de- I mean, but I would definitely be it seems like you have. It feels like you have. Yeah, played plenty of played plenty of rounds and walked that course a lot, but what I definitely feel a bit more c- confident saying is that I have spent the most time thinking about about that course and about how to play it and how it should be played or how we could set it up. It's been this, I mean, this past weekend being again on the silver series of the Disc Golf Pro Tour and again, uh, the USDGC qualifier, it was, it was huge. I mean, and I say again, because last year and I think the year before we were in the same spot maybe not the silver series in 2019, but so we've been steadily growing that event, but we still know that, that there's room to grow. And so part of that, part of that room is, is the tournament layout design and how, how, you know, how much we can string it up and how, how much OB we can put out there. I know it's, it does feel a little weird to say, to say all this and to seem excited about it, but it's just, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a part of the sport or part of the game, I guess, maybe not part of the sport, but it's a part of like the gamesmanship behind, behind golf and behind and behind disc golf. I totally get it. It's like, you're setting up like challenges for people to go, you know, and see what, see how they do, you know, it's, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was a little, I was a little nervous before before the tournament started and just nervous about what, like what the reaction would be from either the players that, that did have to play the course or, and then really the, the reaction from the audience and everybody that would watch, watch the players play the course, whether it was in person or, or online. And I was a little nervous about what the reaction would be, but I think as I started confronting that like nervous energy, I realized that it just really made me more confident in the decisions that I was making for that course design. And pretty much, and those decisions pretty much all revolved around what you just said, Kyle, about how, like, I'm just setting something up for the best players to do their, to play their best at or on. And that's the coolest job there is. It was fun. I tell you what, like in my mind, like that's, that's crazy. I mean, hashtag blessed, really. Uh, <laughs> real quick to the uh, the the question. Sorry, we're we're really good at getting sidetracked, which kind of fits it's into your good. your style as well. Yes, <laughs> and I like surprises too. So, congratulations on your 2005 Junior Two Boys win at the Emerald Isle, RIP Emerald Isle. But congrats on the win, man. Hey. Thank you. Uh, I don't think I played against anybody, so I don't, I can't tell if you're just, if you're being genuine no, or I mean, if you're that's Catholic. a win. Technically <laughs> we take everything here. I mean, like we, we said, Eric almost won a tournament because he got top 10, but I mean, what <laughs> there was five people <laughs> that was, I think that was actually, yeah, my first, uh, that might've been my first ever PDGA event that 2005 I think I think it was. I looked you. I looked you up. 
Yeah. So I was 13 at that event. And do you see what, what score I had for the two rounds? 69 and 69. <laughs> I had no idea what the, like, <laughs> I came in the first round and uh, someone, some guy asked me, Hey, what'd you, what'd you score? What'd you shoot? And I said, Oh, I don't know. 69. Uh, not that great. I could have made a couple more putts. <laughs> And he said, oh, you should draw a heart around that number or something. <laughs> okay, what? What are you talking about? That's funny. That's funny, man. Dude, I, yeah, thank you. I mean, uh, gosh, it was, it was all coincidence, but <laughs> makes for a pretty funny story because I had no idea. <laughs> Little did I know that to this very day. <laughs> You'd still be 69, 69. <laughs> well, as long as we take turns, that's all I care about. What? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, so you can't go back the, to the course. It's, it's the courses, the baskets are all pulled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the golf course is still there. And then, but at the time, pretty much the deciding factor of, for to get the course pulled was the uh i think it was like the the hoa that that was like right around the the course i think there was a homeowners association or maybe it was like they a, are the worst some kind of yeah they owned the property that the course was on and they leased the that that section of the property to the, the owners of the golf course or the management uh -huh. and so in 2010, they were getting ready to renew the lease. And the HOA said, hold up, one thing. We want to add in this clause. We want to add something new in. We'll lease the property out to you, but you got to get rid of those disc golf baskets. No more disc golf on the course that's right next to our houses. Cool. Great. Great. Fantastic. Cool. Oops. And 11 years later, Look at us now. Who needs right. it? Yeah. Fuck those guys. Yeah, sorry, Emerald. I'll <laughs> fuck you. No, but please don't, because I'm looking at my I have my first ace disc up on my wall. And it was from Emerald Isle. Oh, that's a great memory. Pretty cool. Mm. Good times out there. Uh, yeah, was it nice having kind of all the pros come come to your stopping grounds? I mean, I'm sure they come there fairly often, but it's got to always kind of be fun. It was it was a lot of fun. It was great to see to see a lot of my friends that I really only see everywhere but home. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that was that was like kind of a new feeling, and um, I mean, some of a lot of them have come by either Goat Hill or maybe some other courses here in San Diego County or, or Los Angeles. Um, so I've gotten a similar feeling, but, but this year at the, at the challenge, we had the, we pretty much had like the, the biggest and baddest field of pro disc golfers that San Diego County has ever seen. So to have some of the, to have some of those people who don't, who had never really been to San Diego or hadn't been there in a while have to like Ricky and Ricky and Garrett. And I mean, Colton, there's, there's a lot of guys that, that really, I just was not expecting at first. Yeah. Until, until I watched, I was watching them practice out, out on the course or saw their cars in the parking lot. And then I, it didn't become real until then a little. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, wow. It, it, took a little it took a little while to took a few minutes to sink in just that the the magnitude of the whole event um and that present moment of being in the tournament week or even the tournament weekend compared to all the other countless moments before i mean we had been just preparing and preparing and preparing mostly on our own for for months and months. So then to have just this swarm of people, volunteers and staff and media, and then players from all around the country, when they, when they all came into Goat Hill, it was, it was super cool. It was, it was a very interesting feeling just because I was committed to, to my assistant tournament director position and, and how I could 
help out in whatever ways I was needed. I was, was really a utility player in that regard. And so, but just to, just to be like in between all those responsibilities and all of the, the energy that different people were, you know, bringing to this situation, whether they were focused or intense or happy, it was, it was pretty cool. There's, there's not much, much else quite like a, an elite disc golf event. I would agree. I, I just went to my, the first professional event I've ever been to was the 303 Open. Mm. Not quite as big as what was going on at Goat Hill, but just to be around the pros and the, the feeling that is there. And I was only there for one day, but it it's different than any tournament I had been to. Especially if, and, and then when you compare the in-person experiences you've had with, with the, the video and the virtual experiences, the post-round coverage, comparing all that and contrasting with, with those in-person experiences of just watching a tournament, it just kind of makes you, it like makes you realize like so many different little things that you weren't really expecting before. That's really true. I, I didn't realize how far 650 feet was until I saw Eagle throw it. Right. Yes. Or how small the disc looks once it, you know, if when it's lands. How, right, how far away it is. Yeah. Yeah. The camera guy had to turn around the catch cam. I was like, <laughs> holy cow. Dang. There you go. That's, that's an X. That's like some, that's like a, extra experience points or something achievement unlocked camera guy turns around yeah for sure (laughs) life is definitely a video game so if we choose to look at it that way and then it becomes (laughs) then it becomes pretty fun that's true it is quite the pick your own reality at the moment (laughs) yes (laughs) don't pick grand theft auto (laughs) hey we said reality not fantasy uh shit Dude, okay, so your interviews are awesome. Thank you. In particular, I really enjoyed the staring. <laughs> oh man. Um, and then how's your marriage with Chris Clemens going? Mm. Well, let's see. <laughs> we haven't we haven't set a date yet. Uh-huh. We were we were thinking about I thought it was like an on the spot elopement. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll pitch that to him. I'll see what he thinks. Uh, <laughs> um, we thought about we thought about doing like a uh, some kind of quick impromptu ceremony at the at the block party <laughs> um, in Emporia. That and that could have been fun. We just had we I think we each had different things going on that day. <laughs> we we talked about having uh getting some pictures out at the beach now that we're you know since uh, the, those guys came out here to San Diego close to the beach I don't know I mean we we really don't want to put like any pressure on the whole situation so when the time comes then yeah we'll we'll get some friends together and we'll we'll do it right <laughs> <laughs> Glad to I've hear. Just been laughing. I've been laughing this whole time. <laughs> Run the bit for as long as you can. That's what sure. I, that's what I say. Oh yeah. I mean, and we the but the the truth behind that bit was I think the night before we a group of us was were talking, having a, a grand old discussion, and uh, I think we someone said something about happy wife, happy life. And I think it had probably had to do with the fact that that Tina Oakley was flying into town to hang out with Eric for for the last few days of the tournament. So once one way or another, we got we said happy happy wife, happy life, and I kept the and I think we said a couple other renditions, and then sure enough, the next day I'm talking to talking to Chris with the microphone in my hand, and he says the he says either. Like I'm, he, he, either he says I'm happy or something about a happy life. I think he said I'm happy. And so I, that, that's what clicked. I, I clicked and I just ran. 
<laughs> but who else? What I mean, what kind of bearing does that have on any disc golf reality or context? Not much. Not much, but so funny. I didn't even get to the actual question. Perfect. Me neither. That's, that's <laughs> how I operate too. Do you have any plans to join or start like your own commentary team in the near future outside of what you're doing with dynamic? I love what you're doing with dynamic. Don't, don't never stop, but you know. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I ha- right now I have a, just one commentary gig lined up with, with Brian Earhart and gatekeeper media for the, for the master's cup coming up here in a couple weeks so sweet yeah that's sweet i'm excited for that the two of us are going to commentate and we're also gonna gonna be doing a couple other side video projects as well trying to get a couple things just just some more products out there some more content out there and just to to give us another opportunity to to have fun and kind of and stretch those creative muscles other than that though um I don't exactly have anything, have anything like on paper yet. Not coming up with your own business yet. Not quite. I've AJ AJ Rizzlenator.com. <laughs> it could, I mean, what's that in reference? What's that in reference? To? I don't know, man. No. <laughs> okay, perfect. It's fresh. It's organic. Stolen. I came up with it and I was like, oh, this is how I need to introduce them. And then I, I had Eric introduce you instead. Eric, you did a great job. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have a YouTube channel. Um, it's I'm not as I'm not as active on that as as a lot of other people, but I have some footage in the can that um, that will be that I'm going to work on editing soon this week and next week. Yeah, editing is the worst. I feel you. It's 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 tough. It's it's tough. It, and it kind of it's it's such a big part of the process too oh it so really is an important part of that process so yeah it's i found that it's tough to try to film and edit and be the one that's filmed and be the one that's making the editing decisions so i need help <laughs> i just need one i just need one person fiver fiver that's it man oh you're right what is the best interview question that you've asked during one of your interviews? Man. That's a tough question. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That one, that was the best question. Um, That's a, yeah, I, well, let's see. I'm going to say, I'm going to ask like the, I'm going to answer with the best kind of facetious or joke question that I asked which I don't think has, it's, it hasn't been released yet um, on YouTube, but we did film a video where I ran around at the block party and um, interviewed a lot of different people like really fast. And so the favorite question that I had during that process was, okay, so the question goes, <clears throat> if you could, how would you? <laughs> and that so that was the best joke question yeah yeah um, really sets them off yeah oh yeah I mean, throws them off yeah i have all the power after that one <laughs> <laughs> but uh the the best i feel like the best question that i asked seriously of of players was this question that i asked a couple of um i think a couple guys who were pretty young and i said if we were to play, how would you feel if we played this tournament without par? So just no par, just tell me how many throws. Oh yeah. That's good. And the, the answers were, the answers were pretty interesting. I think there was, I mean, there was one, one kid that um, said, uh, what did he say? He said, I don't know if I would like that so much. I don't think I would want to play without par because then I wouldn't know what to compare myself to. And I wouldn't know if I was doing well or not. And, and then there was another answer that was 
there was a little bit it was more like curious about it and a little bit more open open to that concept but just but then just those answers kind of made me realize my my experience and how i feel about comparisons and competition and all that so yeah i mean that that would definitely be the best question that i that i got to ask was if we didn't have like how would you feel if we played without park makes you think outside the box yeah, I like that question. I think they should ask it more on uh, on like the press conferences and stuff. That's a really good one. Yeah, that would be. That's. I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to get out of out of those interviews at at the DDO was. I knew that I would be talking to a lot of people similar to similar to like that, that rotating press conference, and so I had a few questions in mind that that I knew could apply to just about anybody. So those ones were fun to ask and that, and so the, but the intent behind it was to really just ask a simple question. So the complexity of the answers would be the, would be the valuable part of the the interview process. It's, it's a question that I feel like you kind of derived from being a course designer as well, because you kind of have to look at an open space and be like, okay, well, this is a par three. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. That, that, um, that experience totally plays played into the, the path that I, that it took me to that question. And, and then on top of that would be the experience as the, the touring disc golfer that sees plenty of top level courses. And I mean, I've talked, and so I've had plenty of conversations with, with different players about, about, every course, every, you know, all the contentious holes that, that could be par fours or could be par fives or X, Y, and Z pretty much. And so that the relative, the relativity of par itself has, has become pretty interesting to me over, over time, because I know that you've had a cool firsthand experience of like hearing from all the players right there like their opinions on it too so that's that's a very interesting perspective oh yeah totally i mean and and it's i mean just that the freedom of expression that 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 i've shared with with those players i I feel like it's it's a it's somewhat exclusive those answers and those just that candor really not everybody not everybody's as used to that and so when i when i can use that in with the the interview process and kind of know what to ask or what not or how to ask it really not so much like what not to ask but really just how to ask what not to ask (laughs) Um, (laughs) the truth is in there somewhere phrasing i'll find it So is we're going to see more of these interviews? You're just going to keep building on that? Or do you have any other big plans in the next year in and out of the disc golf world? Yeah, I, I would like to, I would like to continue interviewing players, especially at, at these big events, because I feel like, I feel like um, when, when we as, as a uh, touring pros are, are gearing up for a national tour event or a disc golf pro tour elite series event, or, I mean, worlds, worlds is coming up and I've kind of got my, my sights set on that one. Um, not to play, but to, but to be more involved with the media side and, and potentially interview more people and see what's on their mind. And really it's when, when the tour is, is at a stop that is really important like that, it's palpable and it's you know it's in the atmosphere that the that tension so i think i think if i can start thinking about that and how that what that environment will be like i think some of the some of the questions and the the good discussion topics will really they'll start to present themselves to me and and so i can start kind of crafting my conversational skills around around that kind of context so yeah i mean i've got i've got some plans to be to be a bit more media involved for for the next few months i mean i i 
honestly, I'm still trying to physically get myself back to a hundred percent so I can be, so I can play a couple of events towards the very end of the season. And so I'm trying, trying my best uh, to find some answers to, you know, to find some answers uh, regarding my wrist pain. And, and then I feel like once I, once I get a, a good diagnosis, then I can figure out what the right, the best treatment is for that. And then I can really make some progress to getting back to hundred percent and playing, hopefully playing in um, the MVP open and the green mountain championships at the, at the very end of the season. Sick. I, we, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. I had just, just for me personally, I had as heard you on a podcast probably a couple months ago. You said you were at about 80%. Do you, would you put yourself at a percentage now? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I get wrist injuries too. They're the worst. So it's, yeah, it's been difficult. It's, it's been pretty uncertain and, and like kind of tumultuous almost. That's a good word for it. Cause yeah, I mean, you might've heard 80% a couple months ago or before that. And, and that was pretty, that was pretty accurate. But then since then March and April were, were a bit of a, bit of a downturn a bit of and you know with in the wrong direction setbacks happen yeah yeah the pain that i the pain that i was that i was battling had had returned and and so so i took a i took a break from from throwing golf discs for for quite a bit and honestly i'm still kind of in that break so it sucks sorry to hear that yeah, it's that's okay. I, I yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll bounce back, but that sucks. Yeah, it's uh, it's I mean, the difficult thing is is trying to is just trying to balance the um that golfer mentality with the the rest of life, and the golfer mentality tells me that the most important moment is the present moment, and so if I really get encapsulated in just how I'm feeling right now it's uh I mean the handing out the trading card like I did earlier today kind of feels foreign or it feels you know I start to get a little bit of that imposter syndrome so you know it's like really really finding finding those moments that that give me that kind of anxiety and diving into them and reminding myself like well, it's, I've, I earned, I earned all of these memories that I made. Um, they weren't just given to me. I didn't just kind of stumble upon them. Each one of those, each one of these amazing things. And the reason why, you know, probably the reason why we're talking right now is, is because of that, again, because of that, uh, that junior boys two win that you mentioned <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast from 2005. So it's, right. It all starts somewhere. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. It all, it's like, so that gives me, that gives me faith to, to keep pursuing the, the rehab and, and recovery. Absolutely. It's hard to be so dependent on your physical like body for your profession. That's, that's a difficult thing to be reliant on that. Yeah. Being an athlete in the sport that I'm playing, that is, um, kind of in its infancy a little bit right we're I mean we're starting to see some some real money come into the sport but yeah I'll be real it just it's it's tough to uh it's tough to go all in on treatments and surgeries and whatnot with the the insurance plan that I have and you know it's like I, I and I played pretty well <laughs> I've, I've had a pretty good career and uh you know so yeah, I heard this. I heard the story about the 10, 10.95 round. Oh yes, gosh, that was a hundred. That was one hundred percent real too. It's a sick story. It's uh, thank you. It's it's just I don't know. Sometimes I'm amazed at like the circumstances and the context, which I guess is a good thing. A good thing that I'm amazed by that. I, I try not to get too too arrogant about some of the things that I've done, but I think I I think I just realized the the gravity of the scenario when I'm able to really like step back and look at it objectively from a, like an innocent bystanders point of view. And yeah, I mean the, that chain of events that week going from like 
almost rock bottom to top of the world in seven days was, it was monumental. And it really, and so it kind of like speaks to, it kind of comes back to how I'm feeling right now, even, you know, it's because spending, spending March and April with, with, you know, more and more wrist pain just resurfaced was very, was pretty troubling. But it was frustrating as hell. Yeah. Very frustrating, especially knowing in the back of my mind that, that the deadline was closing in on my goal for my return goal. And so, yeah, I mean, and that was, and so to have that right before going out to Emporia for the DDO, it was a, it was a little bit scary, but then really, I I mean, the same kind of things that, that happened with that 1095 round pretty much happened throughout the, throughout the week in Emporia. And I think what it came down to was just like, just realizing the moment that we are in when we're in that, that moment um, and realizing what is in our, what is in our power and under our control. And I think what I really, what I would really realize from, from both of those um, experiences was just that in that present moment, we have a choice to, to see, to see things positively and to see things without expectation. It's, it's, it's difficult and it takes a lot of preparation to really kind of like tie up all the loose ends so we can enjoy the present moment without any expectations, but it's a, you know, it's a skill and um, it's a skill that's definitely worth cultivating and, and working on. Sounds like it's something you live by. Totally. Yeah. And, and it, and it kind of goes back to that golfer's mentality that I was For sure. um, yeah, live in the I moment. spoke to. Yeah. Just being, you know, preparing, like preparing outside of that before that crisis situation, you know, making sure that we're prepared, prepared for the worst and hoping for the best pretty much. And knowing that when we're in the, the present, that present moment, when we're being asked to perform the task, we just, we, we focus on that one moment. Yeah. We lock in and we don't go to a concert and then record the whole thing on your phone. Right. Yeah. It's like, listen to the, listen to the album on the way to the concert. So that way, you know how, you know, what to sing along when, when the band starts playing. Yep. It's the same thing preparing for a disc golf round. Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't anywhere near the question, but that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. In the spirit of the show, we are, you know, oh no, disc golf. What is your biggest oh no moment in disc golf? Mm, yeah, I was thinking about this one a little bit before before we started, and my biggest oh no moment was during the 2018 Ledgestone Insurance Open. Um, it was hole nine, final round, and I was in the lead. I was in the lead, and I. Um, and I threw, threw my tee shot out of bounds on the infamous bridge hole and then walked up to a drop zone, maybe 100 feet closer and threw two more shots out of bounds and eventually took a quadruple bogey and lost six strokes in one hole to uh, Nate Sexton and Chris Dickerson. And those two finished one and two in the tournament. and I finished, uh, I think, sixth. And yeah, that was, that was probably, yeah. I mean, I would say that's, that was worst case scenario. <laughs> no moment, yeah. Cause it was, I mean, stepping up by, and I could just qualify that by saying that as the disc was leaving my hand, I, I was, I felt like I was doing what I, what I wanted to do with the, with that shot in mind. And I was, and apparently not oh no (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah now i feel bad usually it's like a funny story (laughs) no but usually we can like you know and what did you learn like you know ah yes right i mean i can i can i can tell you a funny story that that came from that as well i mean so the next hole was the next hole hole 10 i think dickerson throws his tee shot sexton throws his tee shot 
and I'm standing off the tee with uh, Reed Frescura. He was the he was the fourth on the card with uh, Nate, Chris, and I. And as Nate is coming off the pad, off the tee box, he like walks in front of Reed and I. And Reed had just gotten a four on the hole before, and I just took an eight. And so as Nate walks by, I look at Reed and I say loud enough for for Reed to hear, for Nate to hear, for a few other people to hear. I turn to him and say, hey, Reed, is that you or me next? <laughs> and Sexton heard that and he he started giggling a little bit. And yeah, I mean, it was and that was like that was maybe two minutes after I tapped in my quadruple bogey. And I mean, again, it's just kind of part of that golfer mentality or the the athlete's mentality of uh, tapping into that short memory like that and get it at the next hole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what, what I learned was that, I mean, that really the, the biggest, Oh no, that we could have on the golf course still gets us to play more disc golf. Right. You can, you lived. Exactly. Yeah. You got the quadruple bogey, but like, okay, that's the worst that really you can do. Like, only thing you can do is get better from there. Right. Yeah. Nobody was laughing. Check. Discs still dry and in my bag. Check. Nate Sexton chuckle. Double check. Yeah, that's a big check. <laughs> Again, one of those Xbox uh, achievement unlocked things. Oh, yeah. How many experience points is that worth? That Sexton chuckle. It's a hot break in the game. That should be an NFT. <laughs> we could make millions that's another thing listeners don't tell anybody <laughs> yeah i have no clue i have i am not there <laughs> i have no idea what doge dogecoin stonks all of it i'll see you there <laughs> Eric's brother's into yeah. it, but we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. So if we gave you an elephant and you couldn't give it away, sell it or kill it, what would you do with the elephant? Hmm. Might name it Rosie. Rosie? And see if I can take it for, take Rosie the elephant for for a ride around the block, maybe? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Would you keep it rosy if it ended up being a male elephant? Mm. Maybe. Commit it now, right? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I feel like I am. If it was, yeah, so if it was a female, it would be rosy. If it was a male elephant, I would then it would still be rosy, but it would just be, or the, na- the official name would be Justin Rose, and then there you go. its That's nickname good. would be Rosie. Gotcha. So... <laughs> But I don't know. I mean, besides like taking it, <laughs> besides saddling up and, and whatnot, I mean, I guess I would have to wash it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be tough. And and you have to clean up after it. That would always be terrible, oh, too. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Well, okay, then there, I'm starting a garden. Oh, okay. Compost. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I came up with a couple other random ones if you have time. Of course, yeah. Hell yeah. So imagine you're uh, talking to a blind person. Describe the color yellow to them. Mm, Oh, man. (laughs) Well, okay. I know you're blind. And I know that what you see is all in your, is all coming from your imagination and the context of that imagination. So, don't even worry about what <laughs> colors are. <laughs> There's no way I can tell you. It's so fucking literally hard, no it? way I can tell you. <laughs> Here, how about how about you assign this color yellow to the feeling you get when you hold your hand up closer to the sun? Look at you. you. That was so good. That's kind of how I would describe it. Is take your palm and find the find the you know, stick it above over your head, find the warmest spot or warmer, one of the warmer spots, 
And now, you know, now that sensation that you get, you can call that yellow or you can listen to this Coldplay song and yeah. (laughs) That that was perfect, dude. That's like, I tried to find like, you know, almost like an impossible question. I thought that was, I've heard that question before. I've never been asked it, but I've, I've read it or heard that question and it frightens me. It hurts my brain. (laughs) Yeah. But your answer was really awesome. Thank you. Now you have an answer if you get it asked again. Seriously, that was like perfect. So what? The, so then, are there? Could we kind of like reverse engineer this? It, like, what if someone asks me like for for blue or green? Like, what can can you guys help me with with that answer? Well, blue would have to be colder, right? right? Cold, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Green. I don't know. Green would something be something like alive, like a vegetable or something. Hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, I was thinking like uh, just a bowl, like guacamole. Oh, that work. Like here, stick, dunk your hand in this. <laughs> That's green. <laughs> okay, next color, pink. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> uh, oh no! Explicit! Explicit! Uh, shut it down. that's good you touched a little bit on like the events that you have coming up i kind of looked you up on the pgga website also i saw and heard that your favorite course was maple hill this is true so i did see maple hill on on the schedule for you correct is that still your favorite? Is that like your favorite course overall or favorite course to play a tournament at? Is, is there a difference for you there? And then um, are you going to play all these events you have lined up or are you planning to kind of short a few of them? Well, let's see. Maple Hill is still my favorite all around course. And yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, um, there's a difference between like courses that I look forward to playing tournaments on or just casually um there's a big difference there okay because it's like i could play a super fun course i mean i don't i mean yeah you you might be familiar with uh flip city yeah out there in in michigan but that's not exactly like a tournament caliber course but it's still I, i haven't played it yet but um a course like that or a course yeah that is just a lot of fun to play really scenic or picturesque that's i've got courses that are uh in my top 10 that are like that that aren't exactly tournament courses but then in regards to like all the events this year i'm not at the moment i i don't feel ready and prepared to to compete in all of the events that i have that i've signed up for so i will be dropping from a few of those um i was just wondering it's not a hugely important thing i was just yeah yeah but uh, but then I, I I am trying to uh, to be ready by by the end of by the end of August and into September. For sure. All right, we'll get to the questions that we are need to finish, and then I'll I'll do my fun ones. Cool. You want to just uh, take a chance and tell all the listeners where they can follow you at? Yeah, of course. Yeah, if you want to, if you'd like to follow me and my my daily activities and otherwise um, you can find me on Instagram at Risby junior R I Z B E E J R. And I'm pretty, pretty active on Instagram. And then you can find my YouTube channel just by searching AJ Risley. And that is a little less active for now. And, and then uh, new stuff coming soon. Yes. I think my Twitter handle is the same as, uh, as, as, as Instagram, Risby Jr. Sick. All right. Um, and then I have a fun question. Cool. So who's your favorite Simpsons character? Mm. It's, uh, it's kind of a toss-up between Bumblebee Man and, uh, and the Yes Guy. And, and, then there's, and then Comic Book Guy. Okay. It's uh, – there's – I mean, some of it's, I mean, I have a lot of different favorites because it's so such a long show. I mean, right. And each character kind of has a, their own separate sense of humor 
or style of humor even. So, you know, what you get out of Mo is not what you get out of Marge or what you get out of, you know, the jokes that are the storylines that Lisa is involved with are nothing like the, the jokes that Lenny and Carl tell each other. So it's, it's, uh, I just love that show so much. Yeah. It's its own little universe. Yeah. Uh, do you have a specific episode that you have a, a favorite of? Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, what is it? It's the, I think it's the Krusty Land episode. Like okay. this, yeah. I think it's called the Simpsons go to Krusty Land. And there's just like, there's so many good one-liners in there. The premise is, is pretty funny, but man, it's, it's just so funny. I just can't like, it's funny and it makes you think. They, they, they play clips of that uh, episode during the show running before on, at Universal in Florida. Oh, so I, I know I know that at, from that specifically. <laughs> Marge Simpson, we have a, we have taken your older, balder, fatter son into custody. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> oh gosh! Fuck! All right. Um, and these are all just fun ones for me. Sorry, I'm I'm running. I I just figured you know I had you on here. Might as well pick your brain. Yeah. I'm a fan. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I like talking to people about about this stuff. It's uh, it's just fun. I mean, it's, pretty, it's cool how disc golf is really small, but also at the same time now is so big. You know, I it's we can get a pro on here. We've we've only been a just you know podcast since like February. We're we're we're, <laughs> we're getting there. You know, but we're we're still. It's it's just so so fucking cool. I just wanted to say that real quick. Yeah. Oh, I feel you. Yeah. I mean, I've, I know, I know a lot of what you're talking about. Not exactly. I don't have my own podcast, but just meeting and talking to people that I've, that I've looked up to, I've gotten, I've gotten to do the same thing multiple times. And so I know exactly, yeah, I know how it feels and, and like the pressure that, that kind of comes before it. And then, but then once you're in those moments, it's, it's the same exact thing. Yeah, it's a, it's the same thing as disc golf. It's just it's yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I just really want to know if you could, how would you? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. I <sighs> don't know who I got it from, but <laughs> I think if I could, I would do it with love. All right. That's good. <laughs> Luke Humphreys answered that. I asked that question to Luke Humphreys at the block party. And he said, he took a second like that and he said, if I could, I would do it excellently. That's good. He's <laughs> like, he, <laughs> the answer to. he is good. Yeah. It was so, it was, it was great. I loved it. As long as you don't ask me like about the trains that are going from Detroit to new york and back the and timing. forth yeah like no 55 miles an hour and not uh, please nope that's off limits <laughs> you have like a favorite music type or do you like listen to specific music before tournaments Ooh, wow gosh that's a great great i know question. it's a tough one to yeah. ask with three minutes left uh, i'll fit it into a song la, la, la. okay um <laughs> i mean fa- like i don't really i don't have like one favorite type of music because i've grown up with classic rock and kind of into some grunge 90s grunge stuff and then i mean i grew up in the mtv2 era so i would i would go home from school and um yeah get home from school at like 3 p.m and turn on mtv2 and just watch hip-hop music videos all afternoon so that really shaped like a big part of my musical background so i it's like classic rock and grunge and hip hop all together. Um, those are like, those are like my big three when I feel like even those are wide umbrellas. So I, so hard to, there's a lot of music going on up here. Right. Everything but country. Right? Yeah. Kinda, kinda. Uh, sorry, country. I'm getting yeah. there. No, you're good. That's <laughs> it's not our favorite. Either. Yeah. But that, but that like the, the pre pre round, the pre round playlist is, is huge because yeah i mean i i resonate with uh with that energy quite a bit and so i had i had a long stretch where um like i would listen to 
I would listen to some Kanye West, like uh, his first album, I think uh, the college dropout, like the first half of that, or pretty much the whole thing with a few skips in between. So I, my own curated version of that nice. would really get me psyched before rounds. Right mindset. Yeah. And then recently um, started thinking about this idea to, to make uh, Led Zeppelin four the my like pre-round warm-up uh regimen that's a good one just just the front side so just just the front side okay but i feel like that could that could work i love it yeah i just appreciate talking Dude, with you thank that you so much yeah thank you so much for giving us so much time appreciate you of course yeah thanks for thanks for reaching out yeah this was fun till then looking to fo- forward to more of your interviews yeah man thank you dude you're the best it, it's it's been a pleasure for real like I, I know that's like a regular like cutaway line or whatever but thank you yeah hey thank you guys too kyle and eric yeah it was it was fun it was a it was a really good conversation the interview is fucking awesome he was a super nice guy super down to earth regular dude but also a professional disc golfer i feel like that's what a lot of disc golfers are they just found what really makes them happy in life and they're doing it so he just really loves chatting with people he really yeah right he was just down to like talk for as long as we could so as long as zoom allowed us yeah right didn't realize that we had to buy zoom We, we we got it figured out though for next time Head on over to our merch store, teespring.com slash stores slash Ono Disc Golf. You can pick up a t-shirt, a sweatshirt. I think we have some hats. And use code Ono to get free shipping. You can also use code Ono at Starframe Disc Golf if you need to buy discs or disc golf accessories and other disc golf things at starframediscs.com. That's S-T-A-R-F-R-A-M-E. D-I-S-C-S dot com. Did I spell it right? You did it. I feel like I spelled something wrong there. No, you did it. You did it perfectly. That was really good. Proud of you. Well, that was a great episode. It was really fun chatting with AJ. I want to be friends, you know? We are. He, we can say he's friend of the show now. Seriously. Um, I, I'm, And we're going to say that proudly because, like, I don't know. He's just a really, really nice dude. I also have a note from Nate Perkins that says your friend. So Nate Perkins is friend of the show by association. There we go. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks, everyone. As always. It was fun to hear from AJ. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. That's episode 17 in the books. And catch us next week for episode 18. We have exciting things planned for the foreseeable future. So... Get ready, guys. 